This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 3? Uh, this is important stuff, guys. So David Whetstone just got back from West Africa. Uh, yesterday there was a golf tournament in, for East Africa. Like, we go to places like that, we're drilling clean water wells because dirty water is what is killing their children. And when you come back to America, we have water everywhere. Like we decorate with water. But what's killing our children is emotional, mental health. And our question as a church family is, how do we drill the clean water wells for emotional health in our own cities and in our own communities? And we are saying as a church family, we have a flag in the ground uh, that we are not just going to sit back and watch this happen, but we're going on the attack. The gates of hell shall not prevail. That is offense language, not defense language. It didn't say the gates of the church will not prevail, but it's on the offense. We're, We're kicking down hell gates. And uh, that's one of them right here in our own community. So Romans 3, and while you're doing that, um, uh, how many of you guys, have, how many dog people we got in here? Okay. I'm not going to ask about cat people. I get, in, I get in trouble. I've gotten in more trouble uh, talking about cats than I have about vaccines. So how about that? That's more controversial. I've gotten more mad, bad emails about my cat jokes. But anyway, um, but we're kind of dog people at our house. We actually are technically not cat people. In the factory back in the olden days, there was a place called uh, Happy Tales. Anybody remember Happy Tales? Remember that? What a racket that was. Because you'd, you, they want you to come walk the dogs. Because you just walk the dogs and you're helping them with the dogs. And so we thought that was a great idea. We'd walk the dogs and we'd be able to, it's like you're the library. You check them out and you take them back when you're done. So one day, uh, I was doing that. We lived in near downtown Franklin, and we were walking a dog, and on the way home, my daughter, Lauren, who would have probably been eight, I guess, at the time, was sobbing in the back seat. Sobbing because that was the best dog she had ever met in her entire life, and Dad, please, please, can we have this dog? Please, begging me, literally the entire drive home, all day, and as you can guess who won that battle, I, um, trying to make up for the cat thing, I, I know better, I know better. So this is, uh, this is Samson, and Samson is half Great Dane, Half black lab and 100% crazy. And on this day, we get him home. On the paperwork, they give you the little paperwork. Have you seen the paperwork? But on his paperwork, it actually says his name is Adonis. Okay? And I want you to know there is exactly zero chance that I'm going to stand in a dog park anywhere in this world and scream for, Adonis! Adonis! (laughs) Like, it was never going to happen. Now, we were okay with Sam, so that felt a little more manly. What we didn't understand was there was a reason why uh, his foster family had nicknamed him Samson. And that was that every kennel we put him in. Now, by the way, nobody covered this with us at Happy Tales. This was nowhere on the paperwork. Uh, This dog could break out of any kennel that we put him in. And when when I mean break out, I mean, I need you to hear me say, break 
out, bent doors, bent walls. Like it would be, he'd come home, he'd be on the couch chilling, living his best life with a shredded kennel right beside him. At one point we were like, okay, because we're kennel people. So we, okay, well, Shannon left him in the, the downstairs bathroom, went to the, wherever we went, you know, came home a few hours later and he ate the bathroom shredded every inch of it. Like the, the door jam was shredded. The doorknob was bent with bite marks on it. And, and I promise if we'd have left him in there another day, he would have dug straight through that door and made his way out the other side. This dog was nuts. And that's why they called him Samson because he could break out of anything. Now with us at our house, I don't know about you, but one of the questions we ask of any dog or pet or any animal that we bring to our house is one question. And that is this, what do you bring to the table? Can you get things from the fridge for me? You know, you've seen that on the TikTok, right? They go into the thing and they get the, the, the refreshing beverage and bring it back. Can you, uh, you know, I don't need to get my newspaper anymore because I don't get that, but could you like, could you bring my iPad with the Wall Street Journal on it? Could you, like, is there, is there any possible thing you could do to bring benefit to this instead of just being a taker all day long? And uh, Samson as a uh, dog, it turns out his, what he brings to the family is uh, security. Um, because this innocent dog that literally will like want to lay on top, like my son could literally get on his back, grab his ears like a motorcycle, and he wouldn't do anything. But when the UPS driver knocked on the door, he went crazy, like bonkers crazy, like ferocious crazy. And so like when we were living out in the country, out in the farm, and, it, and I'm out of the country, the one thing that I never wondered about was how my family was doing, if they were safe or not, because I assure you, if anybody got past Samson, that uh, was like the military. This dog was nuts. So in exchange for his bad behavior, uh, we, he provided security. And so we sort of allowed him to exist in this world. He was justifying his existence uh, by what he brought to the table. And, which is, and by the way, this is how his life is working out now. He's 13 years old. Um, and there's Lauren. I know. See, doesn't he look so innocent? Until about 4.45 when he wants awake. Because he's like 13, which means he's like 100. And it means he wants to eat when he wants to eat, which is 4 in the morning. But this is actually where he spends most of his time which is trying to get my daughter to stop watching Korean pop stuff on the internet <laughs> and pay attention to him. So that's how his life has turned out. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. My dog justifies his existence in our house by what he brings to the table and the benefits that he brings. And if you've been with us on the study through Romans, another way to say this is I'm telling you is that my dog is saved by works, not by grace. Okay, you smell what I'm stepping in? Now, when I say that, I want you to read now with me Romans, and I want to show you why you are not a dog in the house of God, but you are a child in the house of God. And thank God, thank Jesus, that I am not justified in my relationship with my Father by what I can bring to the table, uh, because it's an exhausting way to live as a human. As a dog, he didn't seem to mind it, I'll be honest with you, but it's exhausting as a human. Romans 3, verse 20, there for no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. 
This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then, verse 27, is boasting? It's excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? No, that would be plenty room to brag if it was that law. No, this is because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the, in the moments we have together today, I pray that we can, that these truths of being justified by grace, Lord, I pray that they actually become real and alive inside of us, that this is not some head exercise, but Lord, that this is actually something that could take root in our hearts today. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us, speak through us. Lord, that you'd speak instead of me. <laughs> speak directly to us today in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a recent documentary, um, HBO, called Fake Famous. Has anyone seen it? It opens up with a statistic that I had to hit pause and rewind and go back and see again because I thought, is that possible? And it said that there are 40 uh, million people who have over one million followers on Instagram alone. For, put that in 40 million. Does that mean that there are actually 40 million famous people in the world? And, and by the way, they go into to great detail uh, of different ideas about it. But, but the main point that they were driving is the, the, what's happening in that world specifically is this desire to be famous. If you asked a kid 20, 30 years ago, what do you want to be? Uh, we do that in Haiti all the time, or Uganda, what do you want to be? And they'll say something like a, uh, a doctor, a teacher, a lawyer, a journalist, which is funny. I'm hearing that a lot more in Haiti these days, which is kind of funny to me. Um, but now, in our modern context, one of the things that kids say they want to be most is, is famous. Uh, when my son was 12 years old, it was the first time he said with a straight face, I want to be a YouTuber when I grow up. So I'm like, wait, what? Like, the, as a job? Like, you want to like, get a check and go to work? And, but the, what he was saying is, I want to be famous. What he's really saying is, I want to know that my existence here matters. You see, when we talk about justified by faith here, it's not a conversation that is specifically about justified about your behavior. This is about justifying your existence. Like the work that they're doing to try to get fame on Instagram 
is not about justifying behavior, it's about justifying their existence. Do I matter? Do I have purpose here? And we could laugh at the Instagram kids, but how many as parents are feeling the mind-numbing pressure to get your kids into a university just so that their lives can matter, so that they can succeed in life, it's a modern version of being declared righteous. Throughout the entire world, there are different versions of this that are playing out in front of us. In fact, the, the recent college admissions scandal that happened with, I mean, Uncle Jesse's girlfriend. How heartbreaking is this, right? And we're mad because maybe I don't have the hundred grand to pay for the side door, but can you blame Uncle Jesse's girlfriend? Because they're realizing that the system is rigged and the only way in was to pay money. For us, the way in is, for many of us anyway, is student loan debt. And over $1 trillion is going to smother a generation in an attempt to be declared right and to be accepted. It comes from this desire inside of us. You think it's about college, you think it's about Instagram, but it's really about arriving at this thing that we can arrive at someday. Tom Brady, the uh, Super Bowl champion, uh, a few years ago said this uh, in an interview in 60 Minutes. He said, I don't sleep any better at night. Why do I have three? Now, by the way, it's seven Super Bowl rings now. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and think there's something greater out there for me? I think there's got to be more than this. More recently, he was asked about it, and he said, which is your favorite Super Bowl ring? And he said, the next one. The idea being, and in fact, the, 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 the interviewer pressed him, well, what is it? And he says, I don't know. I don't know. But C.S. Lewis said it so succinctly. He said, if I find myself in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. You see, the righteousness that we're seeking here, which is to be declared all right, the righteousness that we're trying to seek here, which is to, that I've arrived, that I've finally gotten there, that I've achieved what I'm supposed to achieve, leaves you empty because that's not the righteousness we really seek. Romans tells us it's the righteousness that comes from God. That is the desire in our hearts that is not, will not, cannot be fulfilled in this world and must mean that we come from another world. Now, in these few moments, I'm going to use some words here that are a little bit bigger, and they maybe are not that common to you, but I've pastored one of the smartest churches in Nashville. Yeah, the smartest church in Nashville. Y'all are smart, okay? So I'm going to treat you like you're smart this morning, and I'm going to use three words that maybe are not normal in your language, and even if you don't remember the words, what I'm hoping that you'll remember are the concepts behind these words because they are the very hinge of which the gospel swings on. And an understanding of this can bring you freedom in a way that you have never experienced it before. And those three phrases are, this one you've heard before, justified, right? Justified freely, but I want to show you in a minute how it means more than maybe what you think it means. I want to show you the word redemption and how it means maybe a little bit more. And then I'm going to use the word propitiation and you're going to say, watch your mouth, boy. Your mama's here. 
propitiation. I'm going to explain to you in a minute what it means and why it matters. The idea of being justified freely. In the Greek language, the word justified and the word righteous are actually the same Greek word. They're two translated differently, but the concept is the same. And I'm going to give you a definition of righteousness that Tim Keller has given, because it's a nice way to start, and I think it will help, uh, and he's clearly smarter than me. Uh, righteousness, according to him and his definition, is simply a validating performance record which opens doors. So, to be declared right for the job, right? Jess, like at Ramsey, like we, you're looking at resumes, and you're looking at that saying, okay, are they right for this job? So the, the resume the, is being declared right for this job, and this will open doors for you. In our culture, again, Instagram, college, but one of the greatest versions of being declared righteous is when you just say something so dumb as, you know what, you are okay the way you are. That is the cruelest thing that you could ever say to anyone. I, I, look, I'm 50. There have been dozens of times in my life where I wanted someone to tell me that I was okay just the way I am. And I look back over that and I want you to know I was not okay just the way I was. Here's what I love. Jesus loves me so much that he does love me just as I am and he loves me way too much to let me stay that way. But the idea that I can move the goal line of righteousness and just say now you're righteous because you're okay is cruel to young people or old people. But in our culture, that is one way that people are being declared righteous to being declared all right, like you have arrived on a regular basis. One of the things that's happening in our culture right now, and again, smart people, we're adults in here. I'm going to treat you like adults. So don't hear me say anything that I didn't say. But one of the ways in the last year that we have seen people being declared righteous is whether or not we have followed the rules from government institutions as it relates to vaccines and masks. And if I follow it, then I'm righteous and then I can get in this room. And if I didn't follow it, then I don't get to get in this room. And by the way, the, the sword has two sides on it. On the other side, if someone has had the vaccine, we have no business, you have no business judging them in that way either, declaring them unrighteous because they didn't, because it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. But on this side of heaven, what we're hearing a lot of is, if I follow these rules, now I'm righteous, now I'm right, and now I'm accepted, and now I can get in or not get into your thing. Science is one way in our culture that people are declared righteous. I want to say one more thing about the student loan crisis. Um, there's a film coming out, is it October 1, Ramsey people? October 14th. It's called Borrowed Future. I would encourage every person in this room to watch this documentary when it comes out. Do not let us get swept up into putting our children into hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans, trapping them from a future in an attempt to be declared right for the job, right for the future, and all we did is put them into further bondage. That's free. I'm not going to charge anything more for that. Now, that's it. The Bible speaks of the righteousness that comes from God. 
All this other stuff is righteousness that comes from man, it comes from science, it, it comes from culture, it comes from Instagram or whatever, but there's a righteousness that comes from God that every one of us in our heart of our hearts and our soul of our souls need. And he says in verse 23 that all have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. It's the weight, uh, the, the, the word glory is kavod, it's weight, it's the heft, it's the purpose, it's the meaning. That's when you say glory to God. What I'm really saying is you are the purpose, you are the meaning, you are the thing that holds all of this together. But we all fall short of that glory of that weight. And what God is telling us here through this Holy Spirit is that we can now be declared righteous for that, even though we fall short of it, that the justification righteousness is now God will look on you and me and say, you are right for the job. You are right for the kingdom. You are justified to be here. And he didn't do it in a vacuum. He did it through his son. He did it through Christ. If I were to say the justification means forgiveness of sins, nobody in this room would disagree with that because it's correct. That is an element of justification. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. You're justified, but it doesn't stop with that. It's more than that. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Forgiveness has a negative connotation, meaning forgiveness means you have been forgiven and now you can go. Like when Samson chewed the bathroom, I said, you may go. And keep walking as far as you want. You're forgiven, but you may go. Justified means you can come. Justified means not just that your sins are forgiven. Justified, one of the old Baptist sayings, means just as if I'd never sinned. It's an invitation not just to go because you've been forgiven. It means it's an invitation to come into the throne room of grace because now you have the same exact benefits and blessings, inheritance of Jesus himself. That's what it means to be justified. It's so much more than your sins were forgiven. It is you can now enter the throne room of grace boldly because of what Jesus did. And that's redemption. You're not justified just because you say you are. You're not justified just because everybody gets to be justified in the universalist world. You are justified through what Christ did. And what he did was redeem us. Redemption is the word that you see in this next few verses. That he, Christ, through redemption, is how you have been set free and justified. Now, in that word justify, in that word redemption, I shared it a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth repeating. In the Greek culture, you could go to the oguro, and in the Aguro is where the market was. And in the markets where you purchase things is where you purchased slaves. It's one of the places where slaves were purchased in Greek and Roman culture. And so there are three words that I know of anyway in the Greek language for redemption. One is agorazo, agorazo, agorazo. And it is a word that means I have gone to redeem to purchase a slave. That is not the word that is used here. There's another word called ex 
Arazo. And that word is someone who has purchased a slave. You've taken them to, uh, to, to work at your house, but then you can also sell them again someplace else. It's like I've bought a Toyota, I'm gonna use it for a while, and then I'll sell it later. Not the word used here. The word used here, the etymology of it is the word latruo, and that word means to set somebody free completely. You've gone to the Uguro, you saw the slave on the block, you wrote the check and said, you can go free, go home. That's the word that is used for redemption here. And that word redemption is a freedom word, not a slavery word. And if you've got your Bibles, I would love if you would humor me uh, and go to John 10, verse 10, because I want to show you how Jesus himself shows us this very thing. If I were to say to you, John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy, in that verse, the thief, who is the thief? You yell it out. It's Satan? How many would say Satan? The thief is Satan. You know the best way to, let, to interpret the Bible? Let the Bible interpret the Bible. Because by the way, I would have said that too. But, but he tells us who the thief is. Verse one, truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep by the pen, uh, by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Who is he talking to there? The Pharisees who are sneaking into the pen by other ways besides Jesus. He talks about the one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. By the way, we had sheep at my little farm and I'm here to tell you that sheep was not a compliment to humans. These are not the smartest animals. But they are this, they are a one voice animal. Anyone who is own sheep know this, that they, know, when they, this idea, they will know your voice, they will not follow another. When I came home and I said something, Thor the ram came running because he knew my voice. They know your voice. Verse five, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling him. And then Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who, listen, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Once again, who is the thief? It's religion, it's Pharisees, it's anyone trying to get into the pen to the sheep besides going through Jesus. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and to have it to the full. When the shepherd comes into the pen, it is not to kill the sheep, it is to set them free. When the shepherd comes in, it is to take them to the green pastures, not to another pen, to set them into a place of freedom, not into another place of captivity. And humanism, science, the, the world that we're in right now of just trying to keep up, religion, all these things, they're just another pen. It's just another prison trying to get into the pen, not to set you free, but to imprison you into just a different pen with the same prison. 
Religion, when I say religion, I define it as very simple, that it is working to get to God. But Christianity alone stands as God working to get to you. The thief, is Satan behind it? Sure, but the thief is religion. It's work, it's striving, it's there to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. Now all this is great and all of it's good. Jesus justified you freely, right? Just, you're justified as if you'd never sinned. Justified, come in, justified. And he did it because he paid the price to set you free, to redeem you. But what was the price that he paid? What currency did he use? That's what propitiation means. See, right now you can walk out our door and you can see I think it's around 70 families and there's right now 135. We have some catching up to do on families. On average, about $350 per person in, uh, in rupees that we pay to set them free. But Jesus did not pay rupees. Jesus did not pay money at all. It says here that he was presented, verse 25, Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. And if you think about it just for a second, you have to know that blood is the only price that could be paid. In in our modern context, if you've been injured in an accident, you call Howard Coles or Hugh Cole, you you call somebody. Morgan Morgan. Morgan Morgan, there you go. Of course, I'm in Nashville. Anybody in here from Morgan & Morgan? Sorry. But the point is, you sue them and they write you a check to alleviate your suffering. And if you've ever lost a loved one in something that was horrible, that was unfortunate, that didn't, it was awful, it wasn't fair, did the money ever replace the person you lost? The money didn't do anything except for give you a little bit of a Band-Aid. What Jesus knows, what we know inherently, is that the sin that I commit against you, I can't pay you money to fix it. The toothpaste is out of the tube. It's different now. So the only way to pay for it is that somebody, what the Bible tells us is the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, right, is eternal life through Christ Jesus And so when God would offer his son every sacrifice that you see in the Old Testament, the scarlet thread that pointed all the way to Jesus being the one that would pay the price for us, that I would receive it, what does it say? Through faith. Not to be received by me working for it, but by faith because his work was what gave it to me to begin with. And that is propitiation. And that is a doctrine that is being attacked across this country by progressive Christianity, by Richard Rohr, by Rob Bell, by Brian McLaren. I could go on and on, but there are men and women out there teaching that Jesus did not die for your sins and that is heresy. If, look, I want you to know I love my wife and I would literally give my life for her. And if we're walking out on Lewisburg Pike and there is a bus coming and I run out in front, grab her and throw her out and I die in the process, that is me laying down my life for my wife. If we're standing on the side of Lewisburg and a bus is coming and I say, baby, I love you so much, watch this and get hit by the bus and die, that's insanity. 
When you hear somebody say that Jesus died because he loved you, it's true. Because by him dying, you don't have to. He died to save your life, not to show you a better way to live. Do you understand how it's just intellectually untenable? I respect atheists more than I respect that. The idea that Jesus would die just to be nice, it doesn't hold up. But someone that would die the perfect that God, and by the way, God in Christ, this wasn't cosmic child abuse. Colossians tells us that God was there in Christ when this happened. God himself paying this price for us. That is the great love that Jesus spoke of when he said that no greater love has anyone than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. You see, humanism tells us that the strong eats the weak. That's evolutionary biology. That is, the strong eat the weak. And what that means is that I can't even justify my existence through science because my existence here can only be if I'm strong. If I'm trying to use that to justify existence, then I have to admit that these little boys and girls that you're helping, David, in West Africa, that you're wasting your time because humanism says that they're not valuable. Humanism says they're not strong, they shouldn't get food. And any humanist or atheist that says that they should has to at least admit they can't base that in science. There is no lab. There is no Petri dish in which they can prove that. They can only prove the opposite. And if you go towards religion and say, well, then I can do you know, Buddha and, and Allah, and Muhammad. Like, I just work and I strive and I'm going to be justified and justify my existence by how well I do, just like my dog. He, I put up with a lot of bad behavior because at the end of the day, the hope is that he's had just a little bit more good behavior than bad behavior, okay? That might work for a dog, but it's a miserable way to live as a human. Buddha's last words were, strive. Jesus' last words were, it is finished. Give me Jesus. I'm going to say this and then we'll be done. When I say that this is how you justify your existence, I want you to hear why I would say that. Again, science says you're just some accident that just happened to be here. Muhammad says if you work really hard, you might make it in. But in the kingdom of God, the God of the universe who could have wiped this whole thing off. You get that? He could have just snapped his finger and said, well, this, was a, this didn't work. We're starting over. And who would have known? Because we would have been vaporized and gone and nobody would have known. You know who would have known? God. You know why he didn't? Because of you. Because JJ, he knew that you wouldn't be here. Because your existence mattered so much for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You want to justify your existence? 
that the God of the universe thought that you were so valuable, so important, that you mattered so much that he would send his only son and even in himself this great mystery. would He knew what he was getting himself into and he loved you so much that he did it anyway. And if you don't hear anything else as we close today, know that you matter that much and that justifies your existence to be here today. You're never gonna get it justified through enough Instagram likes. There's not enough money or Super Bowl rings in the world, but there is a God of the universe that says that you mattered so much that I'll come for you. That justifies your existence. And you know what justified existence leads to? Justifiable behavior. Religion says justifiable behavior leads to justified existence, and it doesn't work. But the gospel says that I'm justifying you, bringing you into the kingdom, and out of that, you're going to act and be. The, the, you people that are going over and sleeping in hammocks in Africa, and you, the, the late hours you're doing at Bassanio's and working to get people saved, y'all are crazy unless the God of the universe is real and that your justified existence now means that I am justified, I'm gonna behave justifiably, it totally matters. Stand to your feet, I wanna pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters here today, Lord, you're a better preacher than I am. Holy Spirit, you're a better heart changer. You're the only heart changer. I pray today that these words will sink into all of our hearts, that we are justified, just as if I'd never done it, that I can stand in your presence. I don't have to stand in front of my computer screen. I don't have to stand in front of some student loan to try to justify that I'm even here. I can stand in your presence fully loved, fully accepted, just as if I am one of your own children. I am a child of God. Let's those words just sink into our hearts today. We love you, Jesus. We're so grateful for that. You did it. You did it all. And our only response now is just to be thankful and grateful and love you back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Gang, that's the gospel. Anything else? is going to exhaust you, and you're welcome to take another lap around that religion mountain if you want to. You want to take another ride on the crazy train, you can. But I'll be at the gospel station waiting for you <laughs> when you're ready to be done with it. You're dismissed. <laughs>